Welcome to Extra Points. Now here's your host, Cousin Sal, and his good, good pals, Dave Damashek and Martin Weiss. All right, welcome to Extra Points Podcast. Cousin Sal here with spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, sporting the headphones. Babyface Joel Solomon producing this mess. And with me, as always, my good, good, dear, dear pals, Dave Damashek. Martin Weiss. Fellas, we have Mitchell Schwartz on today. Mitchell, the brother of Jeff Schwartz. The guy never missed a game. I think um, Jeff, like, always missed a game. I think that's the difference between those two. But uh, I'm excited <laughs> to talk to them, to Mitchell. It's a big food guy, too, Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I watched his Mitch in the kitchen last night. I didn't want to talk about it. I'm done. I'm so fat. i got to figure this out. Check. Oh, stop. Do you really feel like it's <laughs> out? Stop. You don't have to do this. No, no, no. Listen, you... <laughs> I'll make no bones about it. As as, uh, your cousin, I think his name's Jimmy, once Uh described you, you're like uh, you're like Oprah. You have wild (laughs) fluctuations of weight. Right. You don't strike me as in one of your uh, heavy Uh, phases right now, are you? I think I am. Uh, I think I am. And you know the season's coming up. It's bad, right? It's all Christmas cookies and Thanksgiving leftovers, and still um, throwing in up uh, three almond joys a night. Before I hit the sack there. But anyway. You know what you should do? Well, yeah. I mean, I know we have some other stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the game of life is important. And one of the great uh, one of the great aspects of the game of life is eating food. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the time to get in on fresh produce, Sal. Get the apples. Oh, really? Oh, the apples not are heard peaking right now. Yes, mm-hmm. the Honeycrisp, the Envy. Is it a pork apple? A sugar or bee. Uh, get get in on the apple. You can hardly go wrong in the fresh produce section of your local grocery store. I All did right. have a delightful honey crisp yesterday. You did? I didn't think of that. you, but it was great. I have to think about an apple a lot before I eat it because there's an orange there waiting for me. Plums had about three weeks this, uh, this year. I don't know what happened to plums, but I'll take a handful of grapes before an apple, but you're right. An apple, it's a... It's hearty and it takes a while to get rid of, and it's you, you spend time burning calories. It's terrific. You're right. Hey, another way to burn calories. ExtraPoints.com/arcade. Yes, free prizes. Week nine college pick'em winner was Danny Foster, 15 right. The NFL prop quiz winner Jordan Dodge, he gets a prize, seven right. Uh, the NFL pick'em contest, Alex Fisher, 10 right. They all get the golden extra points hat. I don't have this check. You don't have this. Martin doesn't have this. Sure, don't. We have extra points hats. We don't get the golden. There's only a few of these out there. Danny, Jordan, Alex, all winners. And the Week 10 games and contests are up, including the November prop culture. We have uh, questions about Adele's new album, Succession. Will Al Roker wear a fedora? Martin, will Al Roker wear a fedora to the Thanksgiving parade, the Macy's parade, the first time we see him? Is he wearing a fedora? Hmm. I don't know if I want to answer this because I want the golden hat. Oh, okay. But yes, he will be. Save it to you for yourself. All right. He will be. Check Pete and Kim. Do they come out as dating in the next three weeks? No. I feel that uh, that, that was that's going to be another one of Davidson's conquests, hmm. and he'll move on to, to yet another. If, I mean, if he couldn't settle on Kate Beckinsale for more than a week or two, right. then, you know, I, I don't think he's... Uh, there's any woman that's enough for him. There you go. All right. Well, maybe you have a head start now with the um, prop culture... Quiz right there. Roker will wear a fedora. Oh, Pete, yeah. And, yeah, he will. Pete and he Kim will, will not come out as day now. All right. Uh, we didn't get to talk about it. We checked in at halftime. Steelers had the game in hand. I think it was, what was it, 14-3 at half? And we're trying to figure out something out. Martin Weiss. It was 14-6 at the half. Six? Was it no, it was 14-3 to three three. At, yeah. the, at the half. And Sal said, as we do, do every week, if you aren't aware, mm. we go live at halftime of Monday Night Football to Kibitz about the best bets. Come the second half, mm-hmm. and as we ended it, I said, I just, it's a major 
first five minutes there. The Steelers have to put a drive together and put this game away or I fear what could be. And you laughed, Sal, and mm. I found myself angry. They got a field goal. Irrationally. On the draft. Well, the, uh, I, first drive. I was angry, though, watching them drive down the field, the Bears, because you scoffed when I said, listen, if they put a drive together, now it's a one-score game, and now I have to be scared the rest of the night. And that's exactly what happened. And for some reason, I was angriest not with the Steelers' defense. With me? Or Coach Tomlin. <laughs> I was angry with you for right, doubting well, what I told to you. Yeah, don't listen to me. Martin had the big winner, though, at halftime. Yeah. He picked the Bears' defense to score in the second half, which paid – Twelve to one. Twelve to one. Good 12 job to by one. you. And I, I, don't, I should have really went two for three because Big Ben was trying so hard to throw, to an, throw interception. an interception. Oh my goodness! Oh, right out. He of the was gate. trying so hard. I didn't want to complain about it. I know Damashek was sitting on the edge of his seat, sweating out of his. I, I, I really, it's, I, I, it's a recurring theme for me the last ten years mm-hmm. or so. Don't do like Dave. Just like if you're a kid out there listening, just enjoy the 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 grandeur of sport, the 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 surroundings, the food at the tailgates and and the marching bands and college games and everything else. Don't care because once mm-hmm. you care, then you get in real deep. And it, my life is is really dictated. The my my frame of mind is dictated for a full week by whether these strangers win or lose. And it, I, I, I this is no way to live. But I don't think you. You'd fret so much if you knew every game the refs were in your back pocket like they were Monday night. Yeah, true. true. I okay. mean, Lord right, have good. mercy. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Now, listen, we complain, and sometimes like, oh, my team got screwed. It's like, yeah, but what about this three calls to one call or something? But this was five or six calls in a row. Here's what I will say. From the banks of the three rivers, the the opinion, the prevailing opinion is, yeah, but they didn't call a lot of false starts on the Bears O-line. Mm, I will say and the, Gene Steratore, who happens to be from Pittsburgh, but uh, but either way, confirmed that on Tuesday, <laughs> that, there were, there, that they should have flagged a lot of those too. That said, they flagged a lot of close offsides. They flagged a, uh, a phantom pass interference. They flagged a phantom crack back block on the Bears. And of course, of course, the one flag that probably should have been thrown, uh, according to the rules, the taunting, which is ridiculous. Uh, Cassius Marsh takes two steps towards the Steelers sideline, and uh, and that's it. And then I don't even know what happened with Tony Carrente. Did he deny that the the hip check thing? He had to deny. It. Yeah, he denied yeah. it. But I mean, I know that the refs aren't contextualizing what's in Cassius Marsh's head in the moment he's doing that. But what are we doing? He's a human. Of course, I wouldn't try to contextualize that because apparently. Our league's uh, overlords have decided to treat the players as though they're something other than human beings with actual actual full emotions because Cassius Marsh goes into August as a guy who was figuring into their plans, the Steelers' plans. He went to camp as a Mm. Steelers' OLB. By the end of it, he got cut. So, of course, he's he's in his head about that and Uh. wants to stick it to them. That's why the Bears signed him. It wasn't a coincidence that of all the human beings on the planet Mm. that the Bears went and got him because they knew he would be motivated. So he does what they hoped he would do. He takes down number seven in a big spot. He looks over at the Steelers bench, the people who just cut him, and this is a 15-yard penalty? Shame it's terrible. No, no, it's, this is Cassius Marshall's fault. He didn't do enough. 
Because I'll tell you this, had he strip-sacked Ben Roethlisberger or intercepted Ben Roethlisberger, he could have ran all the way down to the end zone and rode right. the boat or, or, or oh, made so or, true. Or, or, or right. chicken that wings or did whatever that. he wanted to. That, that, that doesn't he could have done whatever he and, wanted and, and, to. And it's for what? It's What are we doing? We're preventing brawls. I want to ask uh, Mitchell Schwartz about this, but are we preventing brawls? Are there so many brawls? And the, There's more brawls in baseball than football. Are we really preventing it? With the t- It makes as much sense as saying, you know what, if your shoe comes to your cleat, Comes untied. That's 15 yards. Like, yeah, but why? Like, just trust us. It's better for the game. We, we have more control over the situation. I, I, the thing about the taunting, I honestly, and if you look at what Cassius Marshes did by the letter of the law, they've been enforcing it this year. Uh-huh. He taunted him. He did his little karate kick. He walked three steps it. over. The punter, by the way, Pittsburgh's punter is horrible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he didn't have his best day. I mean, oh, you my. saw why they didn't attempt the extra point when, when mean, Boswell was out. I mean, if ago. he had just – if Cassius Marshall just ran off the field and let him punt, it might have only been a 20-yard punt. Yeah. Who knows? I would think you'd be rooting for his success. I would a, like a, a black form. punter to do well, yes. In Not the because of that. It's because he's he's a fat like you used to be. Well, he's putting down almond joys well, like I did. A man I, of that yeah. carriage shouldn't be out there on a pro football field, and yet he does it anyway. As it's an punter, inspiration to heavy sets. I mean, there's six men of that carriage right in front of him. Can't he be back there? Touche, touche. Right. Yeah, listen, it just it, it sucks. It it. Who, so nobody, you're not accepting nobody, the victory, right? So you you run. You I like I like that everybody right. insists. This is what they've done to us. The officials in pro football have turned us against each other. Doesn't everybody see that? Now I have to field Twitter comments. Yeah. Uh, demanding that I don't accept the victory. What do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? I have no, I have no, as it turns out, I cannot, my renouncing of the Steelers victory has no import in the standings. We'll keep track of your standings and then it will, it will make sense of it at the end of the year. Just tell them this. After the penalty, it went three and out in 30 seconds anyway. So it had no impact on the end of the game. You still would have won. Which penalty? What are you talking about? After Cassius Marshall's penalty. They got a field goal. In between the time. No, they didn't. No, no, they didn't. They lost maybe a minute, but In between the time I tweeted, Oh my God, that's taunting. The the uh, they were three and out. Yeah. But right. the thing that really is this point of emphasis crap. That's the thing that every year yes. for the first you know eight nine weeks of the year they just change the mm-hmm. rules of football and it just it's like that point of emphasis thing is really what is the, the biggest problem here because it wasn't taunting last year it wasn't taunting two years ago and if you look at the other ones like blow to the head or you know guys jumping over field goals or field goals or crackbacks there's a mm-hmm. there's a some of them are difficult to officiate, but at least they make physical sense. Like, no one's getting hurt from taunting. Absolutely. It's just not happening. There's no, no point in all any of this. All right, Check, you did map out your Steelers for, like, th- the last three, four weeks, and it really looks like they're going to be 6-3 and three after a home don't victory against way. the Lions. I'm just saying. Don't, don't predict it. Yet. Like, I Martin. Mean, it, might, it might happen. Might it might a, not. I it's might. a pro football game. Okay, Anything can happen. Here's what is going to happen. The next eight games – I don't know that you're favored in um, maybe one or two of them. At the Chargers, maybe. at maybe. the Chargers, not favored. At the Bengals, not favored. Now a lot of these are going to be one, two point um, decisions here. Ravens at Steelers. Oh, maybe you give a point at Vikings. I don't think so. Titans at Steelers. Maybe Steelers at Chiefs. Who knows what they are then? But I don't know. Browns at Steelers. Yeah, I'm not going to quibble with you about any Steelers of the specific games. I can tell you which games that Two they might. Two or three out of the eight? Maybe, but but that's why y- you look at things. I'm not huge on looking at schedules in June and mm-hmm. doing win-loss stuff. You know, now it makes some sense. But even between now and then, and you see, I'm not, uh, you know, again, this is why for everybody out there who's saying, why, why not more talk about Henry Ruggs and, uh, and all that kind of stuff? 
Uh, there are many reasons that we don't need to go into <laughs> what with that. What say about it? Well, yeah. uh, because in part, you sound glib when you turn the football, what it means for the football team, and you're not talking about the, the human side of it. Um, you know, the Dalvin Cook stuff is ugly, the news that's Why out there right now. are you bringing this up? Because you mentioned about? the Vikings, and the Vikings would ah. appear scary <laughs> a month ago. But not, teams I mentioned. But oh. They don't, oh, I see. I'm just saying that the, these okay. games that, you know, I, I don't know. If I see. Uh, three weeks ago, I mean, in June... Oh, the Steelers have to go to Arrowhead. They have no chance in that game. Doesn't feel impossible that they could win that game at this point. And gotcha. Yeah, but if we were to predict now, I don't think we'd be off by too many if we said they're only going to be favored by two games. I think uh, you're right, games. but yeah. but but you know what? I I also think is I'm going to come down right where I said right. I think they're going to come down right where I said they were, which is over eight and a half in mm-hmm. in uh, season wins because if they can get the six and three. Then they have to go three and five in those games. It's a rugged path that they have in front of them. But I think they can steal three of those games and get to nine and potentially ten. And people who are, for whatever reason, I guess they're a brand sort of like your Cowboys, Sal, that people Mm -hmm. have to discuss in greater depth um, than than other franchises. But let's not change the premise here. The Steelers were never – no one ever said that the Steelers are heading to the Super Bowl and look out for the Steelers right. this year. Yeah, I don't if even they, care. I don't even know why we're talking about them. If they go <laughs> to the did. playoffs, that will be a great story. That will be a really nice uh, story. You know, right. I mean, okay, okay. I guess so. Here's why it's greater than – this is why this year is – I'm not telling you anything you don't know here, Shaq, but between the AFC West and the AFC North, one team has six wins, the Ravens, which is inexplicable. Every other team has five wins. These divisions play each other. I know you know this. So that means every week going forward, we're going to have a playoff match. That's going to be something that has to, mm-hmm. if they're not playing within their division, they're playing intra or inter, whatever. That, that's what makes 2021 so great, right? And by the way, can I just throw out a semi-hot take here? Mm-hmm. The Odellis Browns are still going to win that division. Okay. I don't you don't know. buy that? I don't know. I can't figure it out. I, again, what do we take from the Ravens? Are they in much better shape in the fourth quarter than everyone else? Are they full of shit, or are they just, this is the team to... They're Lamar Jackson, and they're Lamar Jackson, and they're Lamar Jackson. How far can one man carry a mediocre roster? That's what Lamar Jackson is doing. It's been remarkable to this point, but that is a really flawed team, and it's got to end at some point, I think. Mm. Doesn't Martin. have to, I guess, but... Martin, uh, but- are they flawing enough to lose to the Dolphins Thursday night? Seven and a half point favor, 46 and a half. We still don't know about Tua. It doesn't appear like he's going to play. No rush to get him back in there. Um, Jacoby Brissett seems... As far as Lamar, I'm looking at this. 11-1 for MVP, 2,200 yards passing, 13 touchdowns, 600 yards rushing. That used to be plenty enough to get you there at the halfway point. And he's 11-1. He's like sixth or seventh on the list. Martin, seven and a half, too much? Which way are you going? Uh, Seven and a half is too much. Mm. I'm actually teasing this game down. I'm teasing the Ravens down to uh, taking a six and a half point teaser on FanDuel Sportsbook here. Okay. You're teasing, teasing the Ravens down to one, the Colts down from ten and a half to four, and the Bucks down from nine and a half to three. A three-team teaser gets you plus 130 on FanDuel. Wow. Good for you. Because, and, and I'll just say this, personally, I'm on a crazy streak of taking underdogs in primetime games, mm-hmm. especially on Thursday nights. I've just... Personally, I'm going to bet on the Dolphins plus seven and a half, but I like that better. I am going to take the Dolphins plus seven. I did this last week. I was like, you know what? Why why wait this one out? I'm going to start the week early with the teasers. I took the Chiefs over the Giants 
And then I had the bills on the other part of that teaser, and I forgot all about it. I was like, wait a minute, I didn't make this bet. Like, this was six days ago. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I lost. I lose with the freaking bills over the Jags. All right, Shaq, what do you, I have to pass. I'm doing this on Thursday Night Football, trying to break my three-game losing streak. What do you like here? I'm going to lay the seven and a half. Mm. I know it's heavy. I I hear Marty Weiss's points. I think that you're, you, in fact, are on that hot streak. Um, by the way, nice, uh, sneaky, good uh, uniform matchup. The purple against the aqua. Oh, yeah, kinda, it kind of works nice. Um, but, yeah, I think Lamar Jackson is – this is – I thought the Vikings game last week was their potential slip-up game. They're going to be – eight and two, but then they're going to get into a really rugged stretch. Themselves. Everyone's got a tough one. The Ravens. Yeah. And um, I, I, I hear you. I saw, I'm trying to think of who it was. I, I was thinking about it uh, on the way over here. I, somebody said uh, hi, a prominent uh, voice, I think on ESPN said that Lamar Jackson is being treated the way LeBron James has been treated, which is to say that he's such a dominant force. We've gotten used to it, though, and we aren't singing enough songs about him. Maybe. I think the correct answer to that, I think I think the, the comment works, but not about Lamar Jackson. It's about Tom Brady. Mm. He's 44. He is by far and away yards per game, the passing leader. And against all it's these tough. super talents, he leads the league in touchdown passes. I get that he's on a great team. He's also 44 years of age. Um, Someone in our crew said Snickers is underrated. Now, I feel like the same way about Tom Brady. Like, how is that possible? Snickers advertises yeah, I, as much as anyone. I can't imagine Tom Brady being underrated by anybody. Yeah. I'm just telling. I feel like he's the greatest of all time. They say Lamar Jackson because everybody's I'm talking always about trying to this pick year's apart MV- game. Oh, I'm talking okay. about the MVP race for 2021. Well, right now, Josh Allen for some reason is still after that stinker. I mean, I think they should flip flop uh, accordingly. And and Brady even sitting out uh, was a winner there, but he's still only saying I think he's plus 450 on Fandle to uh, win MVP. I got him at 6-1 to one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but. but I do think that's why Lamar's 11 to one is because Brady's going to be the NFL MVP. It's too many. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, if he's if, if the Ravens end up winning that division, and the, you know uh, what Lamar's doing is crazy this year because mm-hmm. they have no business being where they are. Uh, you know, Lamar is seventh uh, plus nine fifty now. It actually went down. Josh Allen three to one. Brady plus three forty. Kyler Murray six to one. I guess he comes back soon. I don't know. Uh, Stafford a, seven. Prescott, a fun way 10. to ask Rogers, the question 11. is: Rogers is not winning it for sure. If you put Josh Allen on the Baltimore Ravens this year, mm-hmm. would they be six and two right now? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think there's very many. I, yeah. I, I think the answer is zero. Which zero and eight specific guys. <laughs> oh. Which specific other human being besides Lamar Jackson you could drop on that Baltimore Ravens roster and have them at six and two right, right now? Interesting. All right, FanDuel.com. I got one more way what, if you ahead. want to play this game. You got another one? I do. I, I was just playing around on FanDuel because they mm-hmm. let you do all this fun stuff, same game parlays and all that. Lamar, anytime touchdown and Ravens money line, plus 140. Lamar, anytime touchdown and Ravens money line, plus 140. So Lamar, anytime touchdown, I think was minus 105 or somewhere well, in there. Minus 105. And so and if you take him the win, oh, I really like that. And Ravens money line is minus 390. Uh, so plus 140, same game parlay. Thank you, FanDuel. That's that your feels same free. game parlay. Three legs or more. Your bet doesn't win. FanDuel pays you back up to $10. They want you to get the most out of every NFL game day. That's why they're giving everyone that $10 risk-free bet. Every week, fast payouts, easy to use, safe and secure. America's number one sports book. Same game parlay bets, just like Martin Weiss. 
Told you there's no feeling like nailing one. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, they're also offering a risk-free $1,000 bet. If you prefer that, just sign up with promo code EXTRAPOINTS. And if your first bet loses, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. That's promo code EXTRAPOINTS. All right, let's bring him in, our guest. He's been waiting. You don't want to keep a big man waiting. We're all very excited to talk to him. During his NFL career, he never took a playoff literally. Had a streak of 7,894 consecutive snaps. A Super Bowl champ and the better looking of the Schwartz brothers. I'm seeing now NFL All-Pro Mitchell Schwartz is here. What's happening, Mitchell? Well, that's the greatest introduction I've ever gotten, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty juiced. Well, you deserve it because I spent upwards of an hour uh, on Mitch in the Kitch, which is a YouTube series you have. You're, in, you're cooking all different kinds of steaks, uh, sous vide and brisket and Coca-Cola chili, and I'm on a five-day cleanse, and I just I, I couldn't take it anymore. I finally, after almost an hour, had to shut it off. That's all true except for the five-day cleanse. But <laughs> congratulations uh, on the, this cooking. I mean, it's spectacular. Were you always um, into cooking? Yeah, you know, growing up, I was obviously a big kid and hungry a lot of the time. And, you know, when you're a kid, you can only rummage around in the pantry for so long. You know, my parents, they always tried to keep all the reduced fat stuff in the house. And so I wasn't really having any of that. And I started to whip up some some exciting things. And, you know, as a teenager, started making pizzas and started watching Food Network and a little bit less cartoons. So it's always been something I'm interested in. And, you know, as I got to college, especially, it definitely helped to know how to cook in the off season when, you know, you're in summer school and the team isn't able to provide you with meals. And it just kind of continued from there, obviously, like you said, doing videos on it and, you know, sharing some of my favorite recipes with people. No, 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 no. I can't, I, I won't let this stand. No, no, no way. I talked to you. Oh, big fan of sharing his recipes with everybody. How come then when I was at the Coliseum down on the field before the greatest regular season game of all time, Rams and Chiefs, of course, I yelled out, hey, Jeff Schwartz's brother. And you looked over and you gave me the stink. And I said, I'm just looking for the tenderloin recipe that your brother Jeff brags about all the time. And you, did, you didn't give me the recipe. And that hurt my feelings. Check hates well, it's, always, it's always good to be called someone else's little brother. I mean, that's always the best way to introduce yourself you know, in pregame from across the way. He has so. no idea after all these years why this joke fell flat. And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. whoa. I was hungry. I was told Mitchell had good recipes. I was just trying you, to. Yeah, you heard Sal. You have to praise me. You have to say I'm the better right. looking brother. I'm more athletic. I'm more successful. That That's when you're in. Exactly. Yeah. You aren't hungry for a legitimate answer there. That's for sure. Um, uh, well, so this is great now. I, I'm to talk football <laughs> in a second but so was jeff also into cooking or did he just um you know benefit from your, your, your you know you you go out there and you do all this yourself or did you hide it from him did you just have a little crock pot in your room <laughs> no he's into cooking too he tended to like eat half of the food as he cooked it though <laughs> so he'd make these shrimp pastas and he'd start with like a pound of cooked shrimp and by the time it was served there were three little shrimps left and kind of wondered what happened to him but he was always into it i definitely trended a little bit more like experimental and like you said the sous vide and trying all these yeah. other methods um but i always had him to kind of look up to and you know we tried to make a shrimp pizza because i got big into pizza and he likes shrimp so we tried to make this shrimp pizza once and it was about the worst thing I've ever made. It was a total disaster and, you know, dry rubbery shrimp, never good. So he's into it too. And whenever we're, you know, around food is obviously featured in some capacity. So I'll tell you, your brother is the best person to follow around at any type of like open food, open bar party. I was, me and him were at Sal's 50th birthday party together. We tried everything. He, <laughs> he tried everything. I, just, I had everything else on my plate. But I've noticed that offensive linemen, when they're not playing week in, week out, sometimes they can blow up. 
or they can shrink. Like Joe Thomas looks like he may play wide receiver. How are you dealing with your weight and and, and where are you going to be going with that? Well, I'd like to go down after I'm, you know, fully done. I don't think it's, you know, the healthiest to be over 300 pounds unless you've got, you know, an insane frame. Um, Damn, I knew it. But, yeah, but, <laughs> but because I love eating and because like it's what I like to do, I think about it all the time. Like it's going to be difficult for me. It's, you know, I haven't necessarily tried a five-day cleanse, but I've, you know, tried some more extreme dieting situations. And usually that's what I need to do to lose weight because I don't have the willpower to like slowly chip away at losing weight over a month. I just have to like commit to it for a week and go crazy with it. Um, yeah, my brother's like the only one who's stayed his playing weight. <laughs> Most guys, like you said, go up or down. He's kind of the same size he's always been. And, you know, he always looks like he's kind of in game shape. So he uh, somehow manages <laughs> to do that. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about these Chiefs now. All right. So for people who are not familiar, shame on you. They should be with the timeline. So um, you don't play in the Super Bowl. The offensive line is a mess. In fact, maybe the worst unit we've ever seen in Super Bowl history. And Mahomes is running for his life. Um, you get surgery in February, back surgery. The Chiefs release you and Eric Fisher. They, they hit the free agent market. They, you know, revitalize what we think, the offensive line. The team is, does well the first two games, right? The Chiefs beat the Browns. They lose to the Ravens, but score a million points. And then now we're told that the league has figured out this offense. What is your answer? I need to speak to someone smart about this. Did they figure out, is it possible to figure out an offense mid-season or are there other factors that you're considering? Well, I think it's a continuation of that Super Bowl where, you know, Tampa basically just said, we only need to rush four guys. Obviously, they had the personnel advantage because we had so many injuries, but we can rush four, get to Pat, you know, drop seven guys in the coverage, take away everything deep. And, you know, eventually they'll give it to us or they'll get a holding or something will happen and the play goes backwards. And so I think that's definitely the blueprint. It's It's been what's working against the Chiefs this year, but it's not necessarily like solving them or figuring it out. I think the Chiefs now are kind of in that adaptation phase. You know, they're not used to playing like this. It was five play 80 yard drives before. It was quick mm -hmm. strikes. It was bombs to Tyreek and, you know, all these guys. So it's a little bit of an identity change on, on their part. And again, it's tough to run like 15 consecutive good NFL plays, you know, even with the Chiefs and the personnel they have. And with the style of defense teams are, are playing against them, it forces them to run the ball successfully and throw all these check downs and kind of shorter passes. And yeah, it's, it's tough to do that play after play. It's also kind of boring when you're used to a certain, you know, lifestyle and yeah. a certain offensive scheme. So it's tough. And, you know, I know they're working through that. Obviously if they had the solution, they would have, you know, fixed it already. Um, so it's kind of an ever evolving thing. I think at the end of the day, you got to, rely on, you know, what Mahomes and, you know, Coach Reed have shown us the past few years and kind of trust that infrastructure and that they'll get back to it. Scale of one to 10, how frustrated were you when you heard the news that Von Miller got traded out of the division? Were you, were you like, why, why didn't I, why did I have to deal with him for all these years? And now he goes. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to face guys like that. Everyone always says, Oh, I love to challenge and see how I stack up against them. It's like, no, I'd rather play the lesser player and have a good game, <laughs> not give up the sack and let my team down. Like it, it's nice to play those guys every now and again, but not twice a year. I mean, he knows all my moves. He knows how to beat me. And, uh, I did get lucky with the Khalil Mack one though. So I guess the, the scales are kind of balanced oh, in that right. regard. So I was, you know, 500 on that one. Yeah. As an offensive lineman, I like I understand like five play eighty yard drives is like playing kind of video game football. It's a lot of fun, right? But isn't there a level of like 
ton of, of fun that are not necessarily is it fun I should say to run block or to because I feel like that's what's missing if you look at Kansas City like you said the, it's hard to run 15 consecutive plays it's a lot of checkdowns a lot of running the ball if Kansas City was able to run the ball better they'd bring those safeties down and we'd see more of those kind of like slam dunk Tyreek hit his hell in the goalpost plays what do you make of that like their kind of inability or lack of uh, willingness to run the ball consistently yeah it's strange because I think the offense line is playing well in the whole and like everyone's talking about Trey Smith who went in the sixth round and he's a super physical player and he's a you know top 15 talent you know Creed Humphrey is like setting every pro football focus record for a center and for a rookie you know every single week it seems like they got Orlando Brown who's a huge dude you know good run blocker Tooney solid you know the right tackles have been pretty good so they have like individually all these pieces that have been playing pretty well but for whatever reason the run offense just hasn't you know, clicked well enough to average, you know, five, six, seven, eight yards a play to, like you said, force those safeties down. So I don't know what the issue is there because, you know, in the NFL, typically one guy's going to be unblocked and, you know, you hope you're running back and beat a safety or a corner in space. That's, you know, kind of how run plays are designed. But with the two high stuff, they have numbers every play. There shouldn't be an unblocked guy. So the advantage should be on the offense and the offensive line to, you know, get the running back to the second or third level, which is now 15 yards deep before contact. Right. For whatever reason, like even the games that it seems like, oh, they ran well. This this guy had a good game. You look at the numbers, it's like 3.8 yards a carry. And, you know, a team isn't going to be scared into dropping a safety down because of that. So I think it's something they're probably working at, trying to fix. But, yeah, I mean, they've got the numbers and they've got the individual players who are playing well. But it's just like the whole flow of it hasn't quite yielded the, the results they want. One thing um, people are blaming the Chiefs ho-hum play for is Patrick Mahomes' brother. And fiance. But if, you know, Jeff could be a little bit of annoyance to you, I'm sure. But if he started making TikToks and he became the focal point of the team, well, would you have a talk with him? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd <laughs> say, hey, man, like, you know, people are talking about what you're putting on social media and, you know, they're asking me about it. They're DMing me, you know, they're tagging me and stuff. You know, could you chill a little bit? Um, you know, obviously his brother and, you know, his fiance, they kind of have their own brands at this point too. And, you know, they make money off of that. And that is a kind of a job for them in a, in a certain aspect, but um, yeah, I don't know all those inner workings. I'll say they're not necessarily doing anything different than the past few years in which, you know, he got to two straight Super Bowls and won one of them. So, you know, I understand that there's a lot of kind of other things around him and, you know, he's got to deal with a lot of stuff, but I don't think this year would have been any different in terms of dealing with that than the past couple. I think it's just magnified and especially with the team not doing as well, that's led to, you know, a couple outbursts in the, in the stands, which again, happened a couple of years ago. There's yeah. stories from a few years ago of, you know, certain people doing stuff to, you know, uh, opposing fans. So I don't think that's new. It's just magnified. And obviously when you're not, you know, winning and you're not the best quarterback in the league and everyone, you know, is loving it. Uh, they start to nitpick all those things. So it's tough. You know, I'd, would hope that those people would, you know, kind of realize like, Hey, this is a detriment towards the guy that we love and the guy that we're trying to support. And maybe I'll scale back a little bit, but, um, hasn't quite been the case so far. Hmm. Now uh, you weren't just being hypothetical. You've had that conversation with your brother, right? You said like, cut out. Cause he oh, yeah, definitely sure he told Jeff to get off TikTok. Oh, well, <laughs> There's been a couple Twitter, times. Jeff has definitely, he is a bigger supporter. I dare say of the Kansas city chiefs than Mitchell Schwartz is. He yeah, definitely engages <laughs> other fans and talk stuff. And he is the funniest pro football playing troll guy on Twitter to go at people. But what about, your college days, 
your Cal, he's Oregon. He, weirdly, in my opinion, roots for the entire conference's success. Save a couple of teams. I don't like it either. I think it's wrong (laughs) to do that. And by the way, you had a very funny tweet uh, about – the alma mater of uh, a high-profile quarterback who's been in the news the last week or so, but, uh, but not associated Thank with you. Cal. But either way, where, where do you come down on rooting for an entire conference? Well, his disdain for Washington is still pretty strong, right, so he's got true. that. You know, weirdly, like the Oregon people care more about that rivalry than Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of morphed into this other thing, so he's definitely got that. Um, but again, I mean, he's doing radio for him like five days a week. Like, of course he's going to root for the conference that pays his bills, you know? So I get it. You know, the weird thing is, I mean, so we grew up UCLA fans. I'm sure he's told the story a few times of, you know, how he got screwed over by UCLA. Um, you know, so we grew up, you know, caring about Southern California sports. You know, I went to Northern California, he went to Oregon. So we kind of hit the whole spectrum of, you know, all the schools, you kind of have to just pick one and ride it. You know, you definitely want the conference to be good, but on the flip side, like, wouldn't you rather the conference kind of suck and like Oregon yes, in his yes, case, be the one team every year that's 12 and 0 and yeah, maybe you're like Notre Dame and you get your ass kicked in the playoff every year, but at least you're in the playoff. At least you're 12 and 0. <laughs> no question. That's how you have to root for it. Yes, exactly. Um, you know what I love now you're, you're going after the refs and they deserve it and they have not gotten better. In fact, they've gotten worse if uh, Monday night was any indication, but you're going after them saying they're at an all time worse. Do you believe that really? Or did you always believe they were bad? And now you don't, you won't get fined if you speak up about it. And second part of that question is I'm always infatuated with, do you ever get warnings from the referees? Like, could they warn somebody like, Hey, you're coming close to holding there. I'm going to get you next time. Or do they just let it play out? They're like, hey, that's that's close to taunting. Be careful. You're getting flagged next time. But, or is it just, I, I always wondered about that. Yeah, so typically they do warn you. That's mm-hmm. the thing. So, you know, the Chiefs fans every time, you know, a couple nights ago on Monday Night Football, there were some defensive linemen that lined up off sides. I posted some photos and the Chiefs fans go back to, you know, D Ford in the 2018 AFC Championship mm-hmm. game and, they can't get over that. And it's like, all right, come on. It's been four years. Time to get over it. <laughs> like in those situations, typically they warn the defensive lineman, like, hey, you're offsides, get back. Or in the offensive tackles case, hey, you're too deep. You need to get up. Yeah. You know, they warn me every single game, literally every game. It, it drove my coaches wild. But I'm like, trust me, they won't call it. Like, I, I understand how to do it. But for refereeing on the whole, like, I like refereeing. I got to know a lot of them. Like, I considered that for, you know, a post-career endeavor. I realized I didn't want to travel that much and, and be gone and now to deal with the scrutiny that they have to deal with that I put on them. But I've always been interested in it. I get to talking to them. Like, so I do think refereeing has slipped a little bit. Um, I think part of that is because of replay and right. because now with like the sky judge, they err on the side of calling the thing that can then be reviewed. Like they no longer have to make the right call in the moment. Every time, if a guy is going over the end zone, and you're not quite sure if he scored or not, they tend to call the touchdown knowing it can then automatically get reviewed. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know how long review's been around, but however many years ago, like they had to make that decision correct in the moment. And I think there are a lot of these situations where they kind of err on the side of, oh, we'll, you know, allow review to take over. We don't have to make the right call now. And that's part of it. You know, guys are bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been. You know, receivers and DBs are hand fighting every single play. They're going as fast as they've ever gone. Like, I understand that there's a difficulty with it. It does seem like, you know, that stuff's been crazy. And then the NFL has just added these rules that are asinine that forces them to make tough decisions. Like, how do you physically hit a guy with your shoulder without your head going uh, down too? 
Tough. You know, so there's like the targeting rules, there's the quarterback rules, there's the taunting stuff. Like all three of those are just like impossible situations for reps. So I think it's partially that they lean on reviews a little bit too much. And then partially the league is forcing them to make these insanely tough decisions in real time. And it seems like it hasn't gone quite the way we all would have wanted yeah, it to the, go. The, I mean, the targeting and the roughing the passer, we get it. You want to protect the players. You want to protect the health is the issue. The, the taunting is nonsensical. It didn't ever lead to more. The biggest brawl we saw in the last few years was Miles Garrett. I don't think it did that stem from a taunting uh, situation. I don't believe that it did. But with regard to what you said about the warning, I think they could do themselves a favor by saying, hey, we warn these guys all all the time. So if you see a guy's hand offside by three inches, you can rest assured we warned him four times before that. Or if you see a taunting, Paul, but yeah, he did it three times uh, earlier that we didn't call. Like, I don't know. I think they can help them. I'm not I'm trying to defend the referees, but no, I feel like that I'm little tidbit you. is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's no communication, even like to the top with Goodell this year, it seems like they kind of just ignore stuff and wait for the next controversy. And then people talk about that. Then there's the next thing and it kind of all gets ignored. Like they don't talk to us about anything anymore and they're not transparent. Mm -hmm. Where if the refs were able to talk after the game and say, this is what I saw in the moment, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like a day or two later, the NFL refereeing Twitter comes out with a cockamamie answer on their, you know, slow-mo replay of why the ref did this and all that. And it's like, you're making it worse by showing the video. Like right. the video clearly shows you guys are wrong. And now you're trying to justify it and you look even dumber. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Sterator comes on or Macaulay comes on and like those guys are disagreeing with, with, with what's going on. They have like very definitive, Oh, this is what should happen on the replay. And of course that doesn't happen. And then it just perpetuates that cycle that like three of the most respected, well-known refs go on TV and tell us what should be happening. And the opposite happens mm -hmm. every single week. That's not good. Like, the experts should all be in alignment. So, Monday night when Cassius Marsh got his uh, his taunting penalty, right? After the game, Brian Greasy was talking to Van Pelt on SportsCenter, and he said, I know Tony Carrenti. Tony Carrenti had officiated some of my games. Brian Greasy's on TV calling <laughs> football games now, right? So, and I'm sure, like, like, how is it that we seeming to have the same head officials? And obviously, there's been more female officials that's come in. So, it's not that we all have just all officials are the same. But it seems like the names who are constantly making decisions, like Bill Vinovich, who blew the, the call, Nikhil Roby Coleman and Tom Lee Lewis in the NFC Championship game. I actually like Vinovich, though. Vinovich is I'm not a cool saying, dude. I'm not saying that. I don't have any. I'm just wondering, like, how is it that he's now calling? He called Super, Super Bowls later on. I'm just, there seems to be no level of, like. Well, they get graded. But, they, they do get graded. But right? there's no, like, I put it like this. If a quarterback. Yeah, again, that's that something throw, they, they can tell us. They can show us the grades and say, these are the refs that are grading well. These are the refs that aren't. You know, we kind of have to parse through that to figure out who's refing in the playoffs. And then sometimes it's like all these quote unquote all-star crews where they pick like the individual of which line judges best, which head officials best. And then now they've never worked together. So now they're playing or they're refing the highest leverage games and they're not used to playing and refing with each other. And now that gets a little bit different. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because we have a few of the old guard, you know, head refs, like you're saying, who seem like you know, it's probably difficult to keep up with these youngsters and running around so fast. And then conversely, we've had a huge turnover at the head position in the last few years where it's like over half the league has been new refs in the past five years or so. And maybe if Sterator was on the field, you know, things would be better. Maybe if some of these guys that we really liked were still there who were still capable, 
you know, we'd have better refereeing. So it's interesting. There's like both sides of that. I don't know. I mean, to switch sports a little bit, like, I don't know how these old basketball refs do it because they have to run so much. <laughs> yeah, right. We're not a fail guy. I mean, there's only so much running you're doing, especially if you're the head guy, but like these 65 year old basketball refs who are just like shuffling up and down the court every time I got some, you know, bigger suck for those guys. If I, but if I ran a restaurant and I said, Hey cooks start, uh, start really pushing the, uh, the pork chop. Um, and waiters start pushing the pork chop. The referees have been told taunting is an area of focus. Mm-hmm. They're, in fact, sort of incented to be throwing the flag there, right? I mean, it's yeah, for sure. The the vexing part to me is that they don't get the the basic calls correct, and now you're throwing this in their lap. Hey, try <laughs> to assess um, if this was if this trash talk rises to the level of a, of a game swinging personal foul. Yeah. And the weird thing is most of the things they emphasize, they way overdo it, especially in the preseason. And it happens in the first, you know, two to four weeks of the year, everyone throws an outrage, they pull back, they kind of do it behind the scenes. They're like doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on this rule. You know, Tomlin's saying, oh, well, we're role models for everyone else. And I saw someone had a good idea that, or a good point that like, all right, so when you berate the refs and you look you know, like that guy on the sidelines who's going nuts. Are you being a good role model? Like you're the coach, you're the role model for people too. Why are you allowed to do that? But a guy showing emotion after he just like put his body on the line to make this insane play, he's not allowed to. So yeah, I think it's kind of a weird situation. And, you know, my, I remember one of my years in in Cleveland, the preseason, the hands to the face emphasis was, you know, a big thing. And essentially, if you just like touch the guy in the face, even if it like wasn't necessarily forceful or anything, if your hand was just in the face mask, it was a personal foul. Mm -hmm. So in like the first two drives of the preseason game, I got called for two personal fouls, hands to the face. And I came off to the sideline. My coach is like, what's going on? Whatever. I'm like, dude, I'm going to have to retire if this is the rule. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to do that. I mean, I'm 6'5". The guy I'm blocking 6'1". Right. He's got better leverage than me. Where else am I supposed to punch? Like, I'm not trying to hit him in the face. My hand just goes there. Like, I can't do that. But again, that's a rule they scale back. You know, the offensive holdings the past few years, they scaled that back after it was overcalled. This, they just keep pressing and keep pressing. And we can all see how ridiculous it is. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, hands to the kneecaps is almost never called from what, what I remember. Um, I, you, you touched You're on allowed something. to bite the kneecaps, though. That's okay. Right. Of course, <laughs> of course. That makes sense. You touched on this a little uh, earlier. I know there's a lot of referee talk, but did you keep track in your head, like when a referee, when a new crew would show up or an old crew, you'd be like, ah, oh, this guy flagged me for holding uh, three <laughs> times last year. Or this guy, this like lets me get away with so much. Are the better, are the smarter offensive linemen keeping track of that or is that just uh so so random it doesn't matter so the better teams are giving you referee scouting throughout the week you know so they'll tell you hey guys this is a crew you know it's top three of the league and calling flags and in particular offensive pass interference offensive holding they're they're big on those um guys definitely form grudges against certain refs if they you know give them an egregious call in a pretty big situation um for me i think because i talked to them and just kind of treated them normal and i didn't like yell and scream at them like everyone else i think they appreciated that and you know potentially they gave me the benefit of the doubt but you know if they called holding on me i'd go up to them and i'd be like you know why'd you call that what'd you see we'd kind of talk it through Mm -hmm. there was one play I, i got called for holding and blocking in the back on essentially the exact the exact same block it was like a screen pass to the right. My guy dropped. He's not supposed to drop. So I like chased him. I had my hand on him. I was like running him to the sideline and they called holding and block in the back. And I was like, 
how can I do both at the same time? Aren't those opposing forces? Like one of them, he's coming towards me and the other, I'm pushing him away from me. So how'd you manage to do that? And I was like, looking at the screen, I was like, there's no way, like I could understand maybe one of the two, but both on the same play, that one made no sense. So that's probably as you know frustrated as I've gotten, or you know, there there was a point the uh, the old reach around block or the the slingshot that offensive oh. linemen like to use. Um, they started calling that like in the middle of a season without telling us, and so the game that I went back to Cleveland, I got called on that twice, and like literally never called on that in my entire career, and that wasn't one they warned for. They just called it, and I went to the guy. I'm like, dude, that's not a penalty. I've done that my whole career. And he's like, no, you're not allowed to like, you know, reach around the waist and like sling them backwards. You know, we're, we're calling that now. Hmm. I was like, okay, you know, a warning would have been nice. So they definitely do that stuff behind the scenes. And, you know, in this case, I, I hope they do it the way we want them to and, you know, the way they should. But you're saying in general, talk players, talk to your referees. They're human beings too. That's a good, that's a good note to give. I think, I think what, what Mitchell just touched on a minute ago about his interest in becoming a referee is fascinating. First of all, you're bigger than just about everybody out on the field. If we could blend <laughs> your brains and your comportment, but actually mix in a little bit of Jeff Schwartz's trash talking style, who would ever commit another foul? No one would ever go at a ref ever again. If it was, That's the, true. you know, who would ever come at you and say, how dare you ref or talk stuff to you? No, you couldn't. And if it's Jeff's body too, then they could just <laughs> run away from him and he'd never catch him. So that'd be the perfect scenario, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize, what age did you realize that you could kick uh, your brother's ass in a fight? Hmm. Not until I was much later. I mean, I like to say he was three years older and three years fatter. So he okay. was a lot bigger. I mean, he's still an inch and I'll just give him, you know, 20 pounds of weight on me at the moment. <laughs> but if we had you in this room uh, right nice now, brother, you know, if we closed it, if we threw you two into this room and then closed the door behind you, who comes out? We'd probably just order pizza and come out, you know, laughing, <laughs> happy, and, happy and full and, you know, feeling like crap. And, you know, I might, might try to get sushi if we're on the coast. You know, I, I like some fresh fish. You can't really get that in Kansas City. Uh, That's definitely great. not like in L.A. Okay, because we asked him the same question. He said he'd be walking out of the room in about 25 seconds. No, he didn't say that. Okay, no. That was after we, eating we, the pizza, we, right? We haven't asked him, right. You'd have to order. Well, this is great. Uh, we could talk to you all day, but I want we're going to let you go. The... Uh, uh, Mitch in the kitchen. What do we have on tap for Thanksgiving? What is the Mitchell Schwartz household? What's um, special for Thanksgiving with you? So I've never obviously cooked Thanksgiving. I've never been available mm, to do right. it. So this is the first year I'm going to have to, you know, start looking at some recipes. I have, you know, uh, this doesn't sound great from the Jewish kid, but I have a sliced ham in the in the freezer <laughs> that I'm probably going to uh, cook for. We're going to go over to some some friends and you they might usually be going handle to sliced hell. Cooking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't really love it. I mean, I didn't grow up eating it. Not that we're kosher, but uh, so I'll probably prepare that, which is you know pretty easy. Might try you know a couple side dishes, but luckily I don't have to deal with the turkey because my brother loves to deep fry it, and I just think it's overrated i haven't I had like the deep awesome fryer deep, deep frying's very nice but i have talked with jeff about this and he is now a brining advocate right oh really i think so yeah because <laughs> he well he loves the deep fryer too as a matter of fact very quickly dave talks to your brother more than you do yeah it's, it's I, yeah. very quickly just i mean this is a tough question to answer put you on the spot though this you, you decided to do uh mitch in the kitchen so you can only have the flesh of one beast to the exclusion of all others for the rest of your days. What a way to phrase it. Which beast do you choose? You mentioned fresh fish. That's on the table. Or is it? Fish isn't a beast. 
Right, but you know what I mean, non-human. Or, or if you go Ron Swanson, you know, fish, you know, practically a vegetable. Vegetables are no good. So uh, fish is separate. I, I'd probably stick with the cow. I think it's the most versatile. Um, you can do the most with it. I mean, you can like make chorizo and all these other kind of like porky things out of it. It's hard oh. to take pork and kind of turn it into more cowy things. So uh, I'd have to lean on the cow. It's not I mean, chicken, we, we don't need chicken. No, indeed. The swine. Pork. Yeah. It's a very close contender. That's right there. It's one one. Yeah, but but is it mostly because of bacon? Well, you like ham. It goes right? a long way. I love ribs. I see. I'm a, see. I like my baby backs more than I like the beef rib. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get a beef rib right. I'm with you on that. Jeff's a big beef rib guy. I like pork ribs better. But on the whole, I think the single best thing in barbecue is brisket and burn in. So mm-hmm. if I had to do one thing and like eat it for barbecue. I still haven't like made the perfect brisket. It's impossible. I don't know how these guys do it, but like I can make ribs pretty easy, but brisket's impossible. I love the answers. I really do. We learned a lot today, Mitchell. The first and foremost that uh, a bird is not a beast. I knew it all along, check. We needed Mitch to <laughs> confirm it, but you're right. You are right. You're going to have to change the uh, the phrasing of that question, I think, going forward. Uh, Mitch, thanks for coming on. It's Mitch in the kitchen. Um, I'd love to see you on the field. I love you in the kitchen, but we'd love to see you on the field again. No Thank chance? you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm still, He's going to be doing the still working to get healthy. I still, unfortunately, it was supposed to be a three to four month recovery and I still have some of the nerve symptoms down my legs. So we're trying to get that cleared up and then, you know, potentially return from there. All right. Well, get well. We're rooting for you. Thanks for coming on. This was great. By the way, zebra is a beast too. If you wanted to have a, just eat, oh, yeah. eat a referee <laughs> um, at Thanksgiving, that's not bad. Not bad. I think a lot of people would have that. Thanks again, Mitch. Appreciate it. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Well, there you go. So much we learned there, right? Mm-hmm. He goes. You would say. I thought you said pig, and I said, did. I say swine. I yeah. say swine. Yeah, I, okay. I, 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 I love a steak. I love a hamburger. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, it's year to year. That's why it's one of the Shecky Awards because it's it's not right. a static thing. You know, it's uh, there's some years where I do lean towards a pork chop <laughs> over a steak. Mark, well, Mark I would say out of this. no. I, I, I understand that when no, you're dealing with the, when you're dealing with the Damashek, you are going to have to have these uh, a yes. Piccadilly conversation like this. <laughs> Piccadilly, oh, Piccadilly. They used another one we haven't discussed. Piccadilly. Yeah. I don't. It was a Delicious. restaurant. I don't know if it was everywhere, mm. but we they had them in Louisiana. Big buffet. Mm. I like a buffet. Piccadilly. But uh, that's why I said Piccadilly conversations. Have a conversation in depth about any type of food. Right. All right. uh, I will say the turkey, vastly overrated. If you need an alternative to pork bacon, beef bacon is the way to go. Beef bacon. Beef bacon and beef ribs. I'm telling you, you make a face now. You've never tried beef ribs, of course, are good. Beef rib. You go go down Texas way. That's where you get the nice beef rib. They, mm. they, they do it right down there. But, uh, yeah, very informative stuff from Mitchell. And I think the greatest uh, damning of the taunting rule that I can think of is a guy who comports himself the way Mitchell Schwartz does that he thinks it's ridiculous because he, he's as mild-mannered right. on the field as anybody. And if he thinks it's a, a tough call and a weird one to try and implement into the league, then, then really the NFL should uh, rethink that. Coach Tomlin's the last holdout. He actually says he likes the taunting uh, penalties. But Terrific. anyway, all right, I'm, I'm thinking more uh, turkey and swine here. So let's take a break, order pizza, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Hey, college football, the polls are out again. Well, they come out every Tuesday, right? Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Oregon 3, Ohio State 4. Michigan State is out of it with the loss. Ohio State 
goes to four. No Cincinnati. Here we go, Eddie Spaghetti. High five. No Cincinnati out of the top four. Sorry, Sheck. Doesn't look good for your Bearcats. You know, Ohio State struggles against bum Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but you know what? Cincinnati, I think it's uh, fair for somebody who has tried to lead the charge for these non-Power 5 teams going yeah. undefeated. They must annihilate. I think that's a fair standard. Okay. They really do have to put it on, um, you know, mediocre non-Power 5 teams. Fair or otherwise, that's what it's going to be. But you, take. no matter what, think that only one, Georgia or Alabama, should go to the No, play. I think if, if Bama runs the table, obviously, oh. the rest of the way here, and then they knock off number one Georgia in the SEC title game, okay, that's a... Oh, a well, re- this is new, I think, That's a right? reason. No, my argument is that because there are still people out there mm-hmm. who will tell you that if... Bama runs the table in these last couple of games and loses to Georgia that they still deserve it with two losses, which is plum loco. It's, I mean, as so long as Oklahoma's out there, I don't think it would actually break that way. But oh, I hate that we're starting to agree a little bit, you know, Martin? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we just know what it's going to be, right? Like, I think so. When it all boils down, I was like, and that's really the biggest argument that came out from yesterday or whenever was like the Michigan-Michigan State thing where Michigan had the head-up win. Yeah. But the only reason that exists is because we all know what it's going to be at the end of the day, right? right. We're arguing over who's like fifth place and mm-hmm. only and they just rank those teams so they can justify who's the top five because Cincinnati won't have wins against any of these, right? Against any of these big teams or the, uh, to justify them jumping over somebody. I do, I do think, though, uh, Sal and hmm. uh, Marty, that it, I mean, Bama, the, the, the different standard that is applied specifically to SEC teams versus any other conference, and the Big Ten is good, and the ACC mm-hmm. has some decent team. Well, I shouldn't float ACC, but this year. But that Bama can play nip and tuck with pretty good Florida and bad LSU, and somehow it's like, well, that's the SEC. You can't hold that against them. But you do against, as I just did, Ohio State. Say, look, look, look at how I'm. Uh, say I, I, I've been seduced by the, the right. talking heads. That Nebraska almost beat them, so this should degrade Ohio State's chances. It's crazy. What are we doing? What, what are we doing? That the SEC just always gets that edge but who's over wrong? the rest of the world. Who, who is, is everybody wrong? So Martin, I looked. If Alabama played Oregon, what do you think the line would be? These, these odds makers actually put out a number for it. What do you think it would be? Uh, I'd say Alabama by thirteen and a half. Very, very good. 14. So who's wrong? wrong? Is the, are the odds makers wrong? Uh, are the scouts wrong? Because you're going to look at Alabama and they're going to have six first rounders. You look, check December, uh, November 27th, Alabama plays Auburn. That's in two weeks or something. Um, there's going to be 15 pros drafted out of that game versus UTSA North Texas, where you should be forced to watch because you say UTSA is just <laughs> as deserving or just as good or whatever. Good. Get CBS off your cable subscription and watch UTS in North Texas. Well, they, I mean, UTSA, when you're only allowing four teams, I can understand the argument against them that they haven't played anybody. If Cincinnati ends up winning it and they still have SMU and, uh, you know, some decent wins. SMU! I mean, uh, Indiana no longer counts as a, as a good victory at this point. And in fact, they really could have lost that game. But, you know, there's, there's, there's no wiggle room for them to play a close game if you're Cincinnati, whereas, mm. like we'd say, the other teams do. But the point is that I, I hear what you're saying. They waived that the NCAA and the network partners and everybody else waived the, uh, the eyeball test thing. 
when they decided to go to a playoff. When it was, we vote on it on New Year's night when we see all the evidence has now been submitted mm. by the Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl on down. Now we can, now it, now it is a, a popularity contest, a subjective choice who the best team is. When you start involving a playoff system, now you have to apply the same rules that apply to every other sport, which is if you happen to be in the wrong division, you can be the second best team in your sport and just so happen to be in the same division as the very best team. That's what Alabama and Georgia maybe have going this year. Although, are we sure Bama is definitely the best, second best team in the country when they barely survived? As I say, they lost to OK A&M. They almost lost to LSU, who's a junk team. What are we? I just don't. Why think are they even is, close to this at this point? I mean, uh, then this must all be a practical joke on you that the odds makers are making them such a big favorite, and year after year they get the most players drafted into like they have the best player. Like I, I get it. It's still an in- invitational, though, right? It's not it's like, because not everybody plays the same schedule. Exactly. That's the thing. It's not. It's we call it a playoff, but it's not technically a playoff because not all divisions are rep. Like if you think about it, every and all the other sports. Somebody from each division, the winner of each division is represented right. in the postseason. It's not a true playoff. It's like you said, it's an invitational. It's not it's not real, Shaq. You see? That way they can justify whatever they want to do. It makes me do the thing that I hate most to have to solve this mess that mm-hmm. is perennial now. And it's was the BCS was junk. This is a tick better, but not much more satisfying. Now I have no choice but to call for an 18 playoff. Go, That's it. They go to the 12. Oh, eight? No, no, I think eight, they're going 12. Eights it. Eights it. Because, well, well, it's going to be 12. 12. Yeah. It's going to be 12. Mm. But the thing that was good about the four and two it, it, when it was the BCS, except that the, the selection process was, mm-hmm. was bogus. Uh, but once you get to the fifth or sixth or seventh team, you have no claim that you're the best team. So now you're talking about a three-loss team. Right. It's getting, once you you're get just getting eight, the, you get the, the merit of a two-team playoff was at least you had two teams that rightly could say mm-hmm. we are you know look at our look at our body of work this year we clearly are worthy of being right, called the, the problem, best team though. in the country. There's a problem. So all right, if you go 18 playoff, you're still going to have this. Like I think you do have to go 12. Oregon is five at eight and one. Uh, Ohio State six at eight and one. Notre Dame seven at eight and one. Michigan State eight at eight and one. Michigan eight and one is nine. Oklahoma State eight and one is ten. Now some of these teams will have two losses in a month, but you're still in that spot where you're going to exclude a one loss team. Okay, here here's another idea: sixteen playoff, Power Five. To your point, Marty, the Power Five conferences each get a seed, and then Mm -hmm. there is a wild card. So that if there is a really compelling case for the second place team in the best conference, they can get it. Or in some years, undefeated Cincinnati or and Boise State. a lot State of one-loss teams screaming. I don't know. See, that's, well, why no, I well, say, that's why I say I would say that I think. But then at the least you're concept. giving team. But then at least you're not allowing any of these three lost teams. Mm-hmm. There, there just wouldn't be something like that. But I think to, to to your overarching point, check of how come Alabama gets to almost lose to LSU and nobody cares. Like if if the winner of the SEC, no matter what, and the winner of the Big Ten, no matter what, and the winner of the the uh, Pac-12, no matter what, got an automatic bid into this playoff, then that would matter much more. Like, it really would matter much more. And then it depends where you are on the NFC East 2020 
uh, thing, right? Where a seven-win team gets in. If you, if you hate that, then you're going to hate Dave's idea. But if you automatically get a bid, then so be it. But um, it is the way we do it in every other sport yeah. that we watch on TV except for college basketball. Speaking of, opening night, Martin, you already regret your college hoops hmm. bets. What happened? Well, it's just I do this every year with college basketball because I'm, college was was not too long ago for me. I, I don't I remember college very vividly. Like I still remember being able to drink like that and go out like that because it still hits me the morning after when I try to do it again. I'm not at the part of my life where I've completely aged out. So I like so I better brag. <laughs> Showing me and Sal up. Yeah, you know, on. you got to stop doing this, Jack. I'm sorry that a hit dog hollers. Like, I'm sorry that you just never I, had I, these moments I, in life. I, Who's on your shirt? Who's on your shirt? Can you even is, name that guy? That's right. See? He knows. All right, he knows. <laughs> I had those moments, Marty Weiss. Just, Believe you me, sir. I'm just saying I'm now old. Yeah. Now I've, uh, I've reached a, a sad place in the, in the big blue. So who did you have? Days. So I, I parlayed the two big games yesterday. Oh. I took... Uh, I took State Farm uh, Classic. Big, big week for State Farm. Right. Uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. The Ivermectin Classic with, featuring Aaron Rodgers. Right. Oh, did you take the underdogs? No, I took, I took Kansas. All right. And I took Kentucky. I had Kentucky also. And watching Kentucky play, it was just, you know, after about five minutes in, it became very evident their best offense only happened after they already missed a shot. Yeah. And I was just like, like it's just, and it's that moment that I just realized, what did I do that for? Like, I'm, I was just, I'm, I'm like eight years older than this kid. Why would I? I wouldn't bet on me to do a lot of the things I'm expecting him to be able to do and execute perfectly. It feels so different than when I bet on like the NBA or the NFL because right. there's this expectation. You're a professional. Mm -hmm. Get it done. But I will say that to say I'll be better on college basketball again today. And I like it. It's my favorite it. sport to gamble because oh. <laughs> there's so much human error that goes into oh. it. Like you just might go five minutes with no points. In yeah. fact, you probably will at some point. But you the should game. be wired into their headspace, though. That's why I said Purdue would beat Michigan State because they're 19 and they're feeling it a little bit too much. Sparty is, and Purdue's going to get them in that spot because of because this is of football, ego. right? Right. Well, but uh, but you know the same mm -hmm. rule applies with college. I mean, there are so many moving parts, season in and season out. 18-year-olds coming in, 19-year-olds well, especially going the pro. first game. We don't know anything. I mean, what, what the hell? How, I, I, I'm all for betting on whatever you want to bet on, of course. I'm not going to get in the way of that. But it really does feel like you're just flipping coins. You know? It's well, very I mean, early. That Paolo Banchero looks great. Oh, man. Points. He looks great. And uh, another slap in the face. He passed on Kentucky. Although, I guess he passed on everybody, right? If you sign with one team, you pass on everybody else. But he looks terrific. <laughs> um, Trevor Keels had 25. Duke won 79-71. The Coach K tour begins. Uh, I mean. I'm already sick of it. I can't imagine. Look, they were sick of it. They were cramping off through <laughs> the second the half. Day. It's so crazy. I mean, he's going to go to these arenas where the fans absolutely hate him. They hate what Duke has done to them over the years. It's like Saddam Hussein, like going through city <laughs> through city in, in Kuwait. And like, and like, okay, yes, let's throw him a party here. And then he's going north for 20 miles. Like, I don't know how anyone's going to be able to take this after a while. I'll tell you this. If, if somebody was walking through and they tried to come to have that retirement tour around me, yeah. I'm booing if I feel the boo is appropriate. If you've been causing me hell my entire life, I'm going to boo you. Are we going to see that? Are we going to see it? Yes, of course you're going to see that. Where, Where do we see school. it first? Where do we first see it? I, I would... It, I think that people... Because we have um, to see it, their schedule. The tobacco road sorts sure. will consider themselves too classy to do that. Oh, like UNC boo that cheer. man! I'm with you, Marty Weiss. That's exactly right. You mm -hmm. don't cheer for the conference and what he did for that. He's Darth Vader to you. You root for his failure. You don't want to see him succeed. I think Mitchell confirmed this, right? We finally got the answer we wanted with the conference uh, rivalry. Sure. The answer to your question, 
Maryland will boo him. Mm-hmm. Some portion of these people. There will be people. Well, UNC fan. has to. Has some, to be some, you know, some yeah. percentage of every crowd is uh, mm-hmm. re- resides up on Mount Pius. So they'll they, they would they would never boo someone as great as Coach K and what he's done for these young men. Right. He's helped them not just as not just as basketball players, but as human beings. Mm. He's made him all um, men. Sure. Yeah. NC State will boo him. Those I want to see what coach two. acknowledges at the least. Like, I don't like this guy. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll shake his hand. I'm not going to make eye contact. Who's going to have, out. like, the, the Harbaugh Schwartz on Thanksgiving? Yeah, that yeah, quick, yeah. That quick high-five handshake? Right. Hasn't ESPN genuflected the Coach K for the last 20 years enough already that we don't yeah. – that, that now it's redundant to have a farewell tour? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, the other game, Kansas beat Michigan State 87-74. Ochai Agbaihi, 29 points. Remy Martin added 15. They returned four starters. They could be pretty good. Uh, at that, They lost in the second round to USC last year, I think. Let's pick a winner. I'm going Gonzaga. Not too sexy, plus 650. See this Chet Holmgren? I picked him for Wooden uh, Award winner. 14 points, 13 assists. Sorry, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. 7 blocks. He's fun to look at, Chet. Have you seen this guy? Yes, he is. Chet and Timmy. Drew Timmy's favorite to win that. I mean, award. two nerds, yeah. two nerd names. Timmy and Chet is not a good way to start your <laughs> right. uh, would-be title run here. I'm going to go with Michigan, Sal. Oh. I, I like it for – I like Jawan Howard. You know, the early returns are good there. I feel like they got a little sideways. They could have won it all a year ago. I say this is their year. I feel like college basketball is one of those sports as we go away from college football into college basketball. I think iron sharpens iron. The Big Ten puts a lot of throws a lot of tough games at you. That makes you um, ready to roll come March. Big Ten looked great. Just shit the bed in the tournament, right? Illinois yep. fell apart. The sister Gene, that Kofi Colburn's great too. I think he's starting the season. Michigan State, Indiana. There, I mean, yeah. there's some there's some real good teams this year in the Big Ten. So that should make. I mean, obviously, Michigan's going to make the tournament if they. I think they win the conference, and if they do, high seed. Good, uh, good bet. All I right. too am casting my lot with Michigan at twelve to oh, one. Wow. Oh, but I'm putting another one in too. Mm-hmm. I'm putting in on UCLA fourteen to one. Pretty I, good. They bring back like I think all, all five starters. Johnny Juzang was a killer last mm-hmm. year in the tournament, and they got Yaquez, uh, Jaime Yaquez, mm-hmm. uh, and it's four Js in a row. That's fun a lot of jumpers. Watch. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Gonzaga favored Michigan second at twelve to one. Texas twelve to one. Duke. Also 12, Kansas 13, Purdue 13. You still ain't now 13, Martin. But, uh, oh, it's fun. College, wow. college basketball is great. You can listen to Sheck on minus three with Kevin Hench coming up. Let's see. What, what is he going to complain about? I think he's okay. Does Patriots look good? Can he complain about something? He'll figure something Oh, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll figure uh, it out. He'll have plenty to complain about. And, uh, and do go back if you're interested in bridging the gap between college and pro football and mm. specifically guys that are going to be playing on both Saturday right now and Sunday next year, he has some really interesting thoughts on the QB class of 2021. Kenny Pickett, he says, is going to be a first-round draft pick. How mm. about that? Looking like it. Uh, all right, Martin, Lemon Pepper Parlay, you and TJ Hushmanzada. Yeah, you say Hushmanzada, I say Hushmanzada. No, yeah. I always say Zada. <laughs> Who says yeah. Zada? Uh, Chris Berman. Oh, does he? <laughs> oh, that's that was saying? his touchdown call. Gotcha, right, right. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's not bad. Uh, all right, yeah, uh, against all odds. The uh, the Jenner trifecta and I will go over the Thursday night game and the weekend games coming up. You got Megan's Megan Fun of Sports. You got Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti and Waiver Wired. Lots going on here. And a reminder to everyone out there, even though you may feel like underdogs, please remember you're all my favorites. (laughs) 